0: Hi, my name is Bobby Ryan. I'm here from YankeeChronicles.com. We are here today to discuss the minor leagues, the affiliates, uh, and we're going to see where we go from here uh, going into the next season. You can find us at YankeeChronicles.com. You could also find us on YouTube and Spotify. So please give us a follow, a like, a share, and... Uh, joining me today is Rob Barrows.
1: How you doing, guys? I'm Rob. You can find me on Twitter at robb five one nine
0: nine. All right, and joining us, we, we uh, appreciate the time of Robert Pimsner.
2: Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm Rob Pimsner. I'm the founder and managing partner of Pinstripe Prospects. I hope you guys enjoy.
0: All right. So my first question I'm going to have for you, Rob, uh, Robert, is. Um, The players' reactions, um, they upgraded all the facilities. Um, I know that, you know, the previous season was shut down. Have they been able to access these sites throughout the year?
2: So what it comes down to is the Yankees this past year worked out a, like, remote program where they're given coaching via Zoom and PowerPoints and, and Excel files and work out on their own. Some players did get access to facilities. I know there were some players working on Pulaski. Um, there was a couple of players that worked out in other areas as well. But in general, most of the stadiums remained quiet, except for Scranton, which was the ultimate site. Um, Uh, Tampa was shut down after the outbreak in spring training. And, of course, they didn't go back for instructional league. So a lot of these guys, the only work they've been doing is on their own. And a couple of guys worked in some of these small indie leagues that kind of popped up uh, during the summer, but no one got an actual full season of work.
0: Okay. So, all right. Um, With that in play, um. With the new facilities, yeah, you know, whether it be in Somerset or um, I believe it's Hudson County, Hudson Valley, Hudson Valley, how are the players feeling about that move?
2: Well, Somerset has been well known to be one of the top ballparks in the country. It's one of the best well-run. It was one of the best well-run independent organizations, as well as being well-renowned for their their player facilities and how they treat their players and, and their field. So I haven't talked to any players specifically because, you know, we still don't even know if they're going to be season next year or or anything like that. And none of the Yankees players have ever played at Somerset because it was an independent yeah. team. So they never got the chance to play on that field before. So it's going to be something new for them. Hudson Valley, on the other hand, is a place where a lot of players played. In short season A, it was an opponent of the Sanani Yankees. Uh, It's a relatively older stadium. It was built in the mid-90s. It's the last of the old-school style of ballparks with the concourse underneath and all that stuff. Um, So it's a much different game. Currently, Hudson Valley has artificial turf. Uh, That will be changing in the next couple of years because the Yankees will not be letting their prospects play on artificial turf much. Uh, So there's going to be some changes there. and, and. Hudson Valley, the ownership group, is, is top-notch. It's probably the, one of the best, if not the best, ownership group in the minors, the Gold Clan group, who also owns the Charleston River Dogs, the Yankees' former Class A team. So they're very well-known. They're well-known for how they treat everyone. They treat everyone with respect. They treat the players well. They treat their facilities well. And they're not afraid to upgrade and put money into into their teams, which is uh, one of the things the Yankees were really looking for in a minor league partner.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Rob, to piggyback off of the statement that he made with the artificial turf, I think that's important, being that none of the stadiums that the Yankees have played in, you know, throughout the minor leagues and, of course, Yankee Stadium itself, um, has always been natural grass. So I think that's going to be um, important for the health of the players, so,
2: Don't get me wrong, the new artificial turf is amazing. It, it's very, very realistic and everything, but the Yankees do just prefer uh, natural grass on all their minor league affiliates. Yeah. Um,
1: um, I have a question about that because we see uh, the last couple of years, in the, at least in the major league level, a lot of players getting injured. Are there anything that the uh, the minor league affiliates are going to be doing, like the grass, along with the new facilities to try to keep the players from potentially getting hurt to keep them fresh and ready to go for when they do eventually get the call up to the big league?
2: Well, there's a couple of things. Like I know the Yankees actually have a very robust yoga program, um, which is, has been talked about before. Um, But in in this new agreement between major league baseball, minor league baseball, you know, there's expanded facilities for indoor training. There's everyone's going to have a weight room and and nutritional, area so there's going to be a lot more a lot better ways to take care of minor league players now than there have ever been because it's just being mandated by major league baseball you know in in these new facility standards you know they have to have a kitchen area and everything where they provide nutritional meals and stick to what the nutritionist says for these players so that's a big change compared to what it was in the minors i'm sure everyone's heard horror stories about how life in the minors have been where you're living off uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, To, to, to follow up um, with uh, the trend of the injuries that the Yankees have gone under over the last couple of years, has that affected any of the the pregame routines for minor league players to make sure that if they're called up, they're ready?
2: Well, it's hard to say because this year everything was going to be changed with um, Eric Cressley in charge. We haven't really seen what the changes were going to be yet, but every team, and this started a couple, a few years ago, every team now has a strength and conditioning coach. Every team has an athletic trainer and every team has access to analytics and they they built a new pitching lab down in Tampa so you could get a detailed biometrics on everyone. So there's a lot of stuff there they've been implementing over the last years to try to help cut down on that. But um, it's hard to say if uh, what changes would have been this year because, you know, Cressy took over and, and did make changes throughout the whole system and how they do things.
0: So well, from, from your point of view, it's been more of an analytical training or, you know, just getting back to basic baseball? Um, What do you see um, the players focusing on more?
2: Believe it or not, it's a mixture of both. You know, the the new biometrics lab down in Tampa, which is an incredible feat of engineering, gives them a lot of data and a lot of things that they can really uh, learn from, you know it'll create 3d models of these players in their motions and everything. And you can use that to help t- make those small tweaks and everything, because it sees stuff that human eyes can't. Um, and it's also important to note that, you know, we always say just analytics is like a general term, but what they're really doing is just some crazy, crazy feats of, you know, engineering that is beyond what a lot of other people are doing in, in a lot of other sports. So it's, what they have down there, they have the best of both worlds. They have some great baseball people that know baseball and everything, but they have great yeah. technology people that know how to use these technologies to the best of their advantages. And this year was going to be great because we were actually going to see it in in action with the because the pitching lab was finished in in January about, and uh, too bad they didn't get, really get a chance to use it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um if you i know it's been a a while since you know it's been a pretty much a season since you've been with the players um from a beat writer point of view how difficult was it you know keeping in you know getting in contact and seeing how these players are are coping with the the shutdown and what their um mentality is you know do they feel defeated or are they just you know just ready to get get back into the, their routine
2: you know some guys are happy to have the time off because they were able to get themselves healthy and work on stuff they wouldn't be able to work on if there was a season everyone wishes they were out there on the field and playing uh there's not one person saying that oh, i don't want to play they all want to play but there is some benefits of of having this time off you know some get to heal up injuries and work on things that are a little bit too difficult to work on when you're playing games every day Um, I know a lot of guys a lot of pitchers actually started putting on velo and now we're in the upper 90s and some touching 100 um, guys that were in the low 90s last year so as far as keeping in touch with these guys you know a lot of it is just you know trial and error thankfully we do work with a lot of Um, agencies and and managers that allow us to get access to their clients and some guys it's just you know we built up relationships over the years and we'll shoot a text and it it can be difficult for the uh, foreign players because you know I don't speak Spanish and then my guys speak Spanish but uh, we don't have the ability to do full-on interviews or anything like that but we still try to keep in touch every now and then Um, and you know, I will say the Yankees have a great uh, English as a Second Language program. So they, they've been working with the guys and they do. A, they actually have a Spanish program to teach Spanish to the American kids as well. So it's, it's one of those things where uh, everyone's taking the time to learn what they can. And so they can just communicate better. And, you know, it sucks because a lot of the Yankees coaches were furloughed as well. And I've been in touch with a lot of the, them as, as in, in addition to the players. So just trying to stay on top of it. it's like, all right, who, when did I last speak to this so-and-so and all this? So it does get a little complicated in that regard. But, you know, overall, everyone seems to, you know, just be taking it in stride and, and focusing on what they need to get done.
0: Yeah, I don't think that really goes into uh, light enough with the, the language barriers. You know, I mean, they have the interpreters coming out, but you, you, you don't hear enough about how, like what you were saying that, you had the you know the Spanish players that are in the program to, to, to learn English, but also the English you know the English speaking players learning Spanish because baseball is a lot of communication, you know, and you know it's not something that's really discussed too often. You know, oh so yeah,
2: hundred percent. The Yankees have classes for their guys, you know, usually, and then continue during the season and everything. Um, I know for the Dominican guys in, uh, at the Dominican complex, they have educational uh, high school diploma and all that stuff for them so they can get their education as well. Okay. I know a uh, lot of guys, since uh, the season was canceled, finished up their degrees as well. well
0: uh, wow. Well,
1: I do have a question. Um, I think it's the prospect that's on everybody's mind how ready is jason dominguez from making a minor league debut i think everyone wants to see it especially lately we've seen a lot of guys you know around the age of 18 19 making their major league debuts when do you think we can see dominguez possibly at you know the single a level or or beyond i'm sure it's going to be a process they don't want to rush it but i think we're all excited to
2: see him so if there is a minor league season in 2021 and i stress if cuz It's not definite yet. Um, You will see Jason Dominguez in in Class A, um, at least in Tampa. Uh, I'm not going to say he's going to be up in Hudson Valley or anything like that, but he. I think he'll make it up to Class A, Tampa, and with the changes in the minors, now you get it's just a complex level to Class A, which is now in Tampa, which is a little bit of an easier adjustment for these guys. So that kind of works out. Um, I think guys like is they're not going to hold back at all. They'll go let him go and see where he fits in.
0: Yeah, so, you know platforms like ours, you know, and other great you know great sites that contribute. You know, as fans, we're itching to talk about this kid. You know, we're really oh, excited yeah. about him. You know, um, a couple other players that fans have been we're excited to see uh, make their debuts um, were Michael King and Clark Schmidt. Um, especially-
2: I'm, a, I'm a big fan of both. Yeah, you know, Clark Schmidt is is a great guy, a very analytical thinking. I I love that he became friends with with Cole during spring training. I think yeah. it's perfect two to be together because I think Schmidt has the t- raw talent and everything to be a top flight starter in the major leagues, and I'm glad he's working with Cole and, and learning stuff from Cole. And then on the flip side, I'm a really big fan of Michael King just because this is a guy that prepares like no one else. He does his own scouting reports, everything. So he's very, very into getting the most information he can so he can do work on the field.
0: Now, um, sticking with the pitching, um, David Garcia, um, from what you know about him from his minor league um, career, with that, the the move that the uh, that they made in game two with only pitching him for that one inning, um, is he mentally strong enough to shake that off as, um, it wasn't his fault, is more as much as it was just a, a organizational decision.
2: Yeah, he he is one of the best players out there, when in terms to mentality and maturity. Like he shakes things off real quick. Okay, you know, Debbie you know. I, th- I believe the plan was going in for him to only pitch one or two innings. It wasn't, which I think is is kind of odd. I was like, if you go let him pitch, just let him pitch. And if you actually watched how he pitched, he pitched. He knew this is going to be a short inning, short outing. He it wasn't like he was uh, pitching like he was going to be a starter. He was pitching like, all right, I'm I'm going to be out here for an inning, maybe two. I'm just going to throw everything and 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 see what happens.
0: A uh, couple of infielders, um, uh, uh, position players, um, Estrada and Florial. Estrada, we've had a, a, a better sample size on a major league level. I've always been a uh, really trying to follow Florial. I, I, I be a legitimate outfielder on a major league level, you know, what's his routine like? You know, is he somebody that's Really ready to break through?
2: I think so. You know, one of the things to remember with Fourier is he lost a lot of time due to fluke injuries that, you know, were not his fault and everything like that. So he lost a lot of development time. If he was, like, say, Gary Sanchez, who's a guy that just took longer to develop. Because if you remember, Gary Sanchez used all three of his options using the minors um, and everything before he came up. So Floriel is a little bit in the same boat in terms there's a little bit of prospect fatigue with him that people are just like tired of hearing his name and they don't yeah. give him uh, his due because he is insanely talented. And one of the things that gets overlooked with Florio is Floriel is, is actually fluent in English as well as Spanish. Uh, and serves as a translator for some of his, his Spanish players, teammates. So he – um He's the guy that, that does put in the work. He is unflappable out there. He understands what he needs to do and needs, what needs to get done. He, he's not a lazy person. He does the work. He gets, gets done what needs to get done. And I think 2021 is going to be a big year for him. I, I thought I was as as surprised as I was to see him in the majors this year. I was happy. You know, it, it wasn't a, a bad outing. It was like, what, one game, two games maybe? And it wasn't terrible. And, you know, this is a guy that's only played one game above uh, in double A. He only played one game in double A his entire career. Yeah,
0: it's, it's remarkable. But, you know, yeah. the, the work that these guys put in, it's, you know, if I we, you know, I don't think people really understand the worth ethic that goes into building yourself up through a minor league system.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at it this way, in the minors, in minor, minor league spring training, they're at the ballpark by, like, 6. They're working until, like, 1, 2 in the afternoon, and this is all in Florida heat. Um, and then they have the rest of the day, and then once they get to the stadiums for the games, you know, if, if it's a 7 o'clock game, they're at the ballpark by about noon, and they're not leaving until about midnight. And you know, they put in a lot of work. Did you
1: have a question? Yeah, uh, to uh, kind of piggyback off of the work, are there any players in the minor league system right now that the fans may not know about that you
2: would think are ready to make that step up to the next level, to the major league level? You know, there's a couple of guys. You know, uh, Caleb Ward, I'm a big fan of. He's a guy the Yankees signed as a free agent out of the independent leagues. And, you know, he's a fastball that is 95, 96. You know, he'll touch 98 every now and then. And uh, he's a guy I think will be a great mid-relief option. You know, I think he could have been a mid-relief option this year, but he wasn't even brought into the alternate site. And uh, I believe he's actually Rule 5 eligible, so I would keep an eye out on that name because if I was another team looking for a cheap bullpen option, I'd take a flyer on him. You know, um, aside from that, you know, there's a, there's a couple of guys out there. David Sosby, Um might be one to keep an eye on, especially with Rule 5 this year. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as guys that are closest to the majors, we saw a lot of them this year just because we we had no choice. They had to play. So, like, Yahure, uh, Garcia, Schmidt, um, even Albert Abreu we saw. So, a lot of those guys are, are there. You know, problem is, like, with No Mile Lake season, we didn't see anyone rocket up. List because no one played, and right. coming into the season, I had a list of guys that I was like, "All right, these are the guys I'm going to watch because I believe they they could rock it up the system," and unfortunately, we just couldn't see that happen at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think one thing that you know, the fans, you know, we, we take for granted is the patience of some of these minor league players. You know, when we, well, when the phrase was coined, it's "Grant and Shuttle," you know, where Every day there was somebody going back down, getting called up, and these guys just really just stayed on point, focused, ready to work. You know, I I think that, you know, that really is not appreciated for what they they are able to do. You know, we just kind of expect them to be robots, and if you're called up, you have to be 100%, because if you're 90%, you're not going to stay. Yeah, and I, I just think, you know, they need a little more, you know, a little more of a pat on the back for, you know, the ups and downs of AAA in the minor leagues. You know, Wade was a big one back, you know, a couple of years ago. You know, Luis Sessa, you know, we always I always talked around, I'm like, he might as well just leave his, you know, suitcase on the bus because he's not staying, you
2: know. But yeah, it's, it's a tough life because. At, at any level, really, you could get called up last minute and have to, just, you know, figure out, okay, how am I going to live? Where am I going to live? Yeah, and, and like that, because they have to pay their, they have to pay and find housing and, and on their own. So there's a lot of things that, that could change on an instant. You know, I know guys that you know had to leave their cars with uh, people that they barely knew and, and everything, uh, and and situations like that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on that a lot of people just don't see when it comes to the miners.
0: So what do you feel is going to be the overall um, atmosphere going into this coming season? You know, these players, are they, are they really ready to go? Or is it, you know, um, just it's going to be a process where you you might see some guys that were really on the uprise just take a little step back because they didn't have – You know the the 2020 season to to keep building on their crafts
2: yeah that's Uh, a a really good point you bring up because without a season you know a lot of these kids didn't get any work in so they couldn't progress i don't think we'll see anyone go backwards maybe some people stall out a little but but like i said before they are working on stuff individually and everything so there might be some development there um Like I said, I know a few pitchers that are already hitting 99, 100 miles an hour that were in the low 90s last year. So there is some development going on in that regards. But, you know, it's not the same as playing baseball. You could practice all you want. You could throw ballpens all you want. It's not the same as playing in an actual game. And playing spring training is not the same as playing in the regular season. So there's a lot of little things that, you know, you have to keep in mind. Like I said, I don't think anyone's going to take a step back, but I don't think there's going to be any big step forwards. The one thing I will tell you, I do know in the DR, aside from the big Dominican Winter League, there are some smaller leagues that are going on that are sort of like trainer leagues where the trainers put them together and so the guys can get some work in, which is interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to Dominican League. I think we're going to see, uh, you know, a lot of – a lot of a lot of the players that we've been watching, you know, trying to get ready for
2: 2021. You're going to see a lot of big games in, in the Dominican Winter League this year, you know, because it was a smaller season, so guys need more work. You know, a lot of the bigger prospects are going to play Winter Leagues too. So, yep. hopefully we'll uh, get to see some action.
0: Rob, well, did you have a question? Um,
1: I wanted to ask a question about, you know, about some of the rule changes we've been seeing in the minor leagues a little bit, you know, they've been implementing some new stuff like the pitch clock and we've seen a lot of younger players like Garcia um, kind of pitch quickly when he comes up to the major league level. So do you think that's a good thing having these rule changes so the minor league players can learn that as fast as possible for when they do get the call up to the big leagues?
2: Oh, a hundred percent. I think there's a lot of rule changes that benefit the players and benefit the game overall. Um, there's a couple of things. Like it's it's not just really even limited to like the pitch clock. You know, minor leagues, minor leaguers don't have a union to protect them. So Major League Baseball implements any rules they want in the minor leagues first. And that was the same with you know a decade ago outlawing uh, tobacco and chewing tobacco and everything like that. So they're not even allowed to use chewing tobacco, and they actually have people going around. They're called the dip police that check on players during games to make sure they're not dipping. And it's just to build habits in the minors. And so they have a lot of stuff like that. You know, pitch clock is another one. Uh, The automated strike zone is going to be a big one in 2021. And getting more data and see how that works. Because the one thing with the automated pitch clock is it goes by the letter of the rules of Major League Baseball right now. So if you look at the rules, even if the tiniest centimeter of a ball the tiniest centimeter of the upper part of the strike zone that is a strike in the rule book so an automated system would call that a strike but a human umpire wouldn't because it's a little bit ridiculous so there's some trial and error that has to go on with with automated balls and strikes and that's going to be going on in the minors now i could say as someone that's covered many many Miley games this is greatly needed because i've seen so many balls that are in another batter's box called a strike because umpires are very young. If you think the umpires are better than the majors, just wait till you see what the umpires look
0: like in the long <laughs> <world. laughs> Yeah, I mean, as much as I am in favor, of, you know, not that I'm in favor of, as an old school, you know, an older fan, uh, you know, the human element is very important to baseball. You know, it, it's really the foundation of it. You know, I think it's more we need to hold umpires more accountable as opposed to trying to replace them with, with you know robots and you know all that type of stuff. You know, to the play you know, are the players that open to it, especially the pitches. You know, if you want to paint the black, you know, one umpire will give you to give it to you while another might not. You know, but like you know, and to tie back to, to wrap this up into what you were saying, I think starting it on the minor league level really might, by you know, get them more accustomed to it. Where if you know if you're gonna hit that outside corner, you, you really have to make sure you hit it, you know, and, and without leaving too much over the plate. You know, uh,
2: you know, what it comes down to is consistency, and that's what any when you're looking at uphires, you want them to be consistent. And the problem we've seen is a lot of inconsistency with these umpires, what makes it very difficult, which is why I always warn people, don't bother looking at walk numbers, strikeout numbers in the low minors because the umpires are so bad that they affect that outcome big time. So, and it's nothing on the umpires learning too. It's minor leagues for them as well. They're there to develop to become major league umpires. So you just have to take everything for a grain of salt, especially any statistics in the low minors. Um, when it comes down to it, you want that consistency and having the automated strike zone is not going to completely replace human umpires. You know, It's going to be one of those things where it complements them, keeps it consistent across everything. How many times have we seen Aaron Judge get called out on yeah, stupid pitches that should not have been called strikes? Yeah. And this is going to fix that because the automated strike zone adjusts automatically for everyone. Yeah. And this technology is new. It's been used for at least the last decade in the minors and everything and umpires have already been graded on this stuff you know minor league umpires and major league umpires get graded based on what this data brings in so it's it's just being used in a much different way whereas now the umpires not going to have to worry about okay i think that's a ball i think that's a strike the one big change this will have is how much will pitch framing remain
0: yeah Right. Yeah, it's a big part of, and pitch framing is very, you know, it's a big part of a catcher's defensive, you know, grading, you know. So I, I think that's something they got to really tread lightly on, on how they want to, how strict they want to be on that. Um, Before we wrap it up, one rule that I really want to bring up, that again, my personal opinion, I think it is the stupidest rule that baseball ever put in is the extra inning roll with the runner on second. No one likes it. <laughs> it, it. How does, you know, do you hear chatter amongst, like, with the, you know, with the pitchers of, you know, now that they're coming in on what should be a clean inning because there's no outs, you know, the inning just started and they got a pitch out of the stretch. You know, how does that affect, you know, Are they affected by that at all?
2: Yeah, of course. You know, because it's it's different way of pitching, but it's also important to know why that rule exists and why it makes sense in the minors, especially more in the lower minors and the higher minors. But it shouldn't happen in the major leagues, in my opinion, at all. And the reason that rule exists is just simply to protect pitchers. You know, you only have X amount of guys on a minor league roster, so a certain amount of those are pitchers and Among those guys, you know, a certain number of guys will be available each day to do work and everything like that. So you don't want to blow out a pitcher's arm, you know, pitching 14, 15, 16 innings uh, in a game and have no one to fill in over the next few games. So it's there to help protect pitchers as part of player development. And I understand that. And everyone gets that and they're appreciated for that. But all everyone is just like you know this is not baseball. It shouldn't be like this. Yeah. But they all understand why it's there in the minors. And yeah, so
0: I never it thought is. about that part of it. With you know, you're only limited to how many, you know. Then maybe in the you know instead of having you know the extra inning rule in the tenth, you know, like in a minor league game, after twelve, in, after nine innings, that's it.
2: Yeah, they they
0: actually well, they really about need to play fifteen innings in a minor league game. No, they don't. No, they don't. You know, and <laughs> it also takes apart from you know, one of the things you now baseball's the only only game I follow. It's the only game I love. And the one thing I always loved about it, there's no clock.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's no taking a knee to run out, you know, run out the you know, the last thirty seconds, you know the pitcher has to throw that pitch. You know, the batter has to take that swing. You know, that, that pressure, I don't. in my opinion, is, is nowhere close to, to that, you know, that edge of your seat like any other sport. You know, so having the, the, the extra inning rule kind of took away from that, you know, where it's kind of, all right, you know, a bunt in a sack, fly, and you go home you know, we surprisingly, we didn't see as often as I expected, you know, but players don't bunt anymore, you know, so to, to do my second wrap up, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, do they still teach small ball in the minor leagues? Or oh is
2: yeah. They, they just, work. You
0: know, the stack has stuff where it's launch angle and, you know, it, it's either a home run or a strikeout you know, is bunting and stealing bases, is that still as important in the player um, growth? Yeah. I mean, they th- they
2: teach it at all. You know, they do PFPs every day. They do bunting practice every day. They do base running drills every day. You know, they do all these stuff every day in the minors. Um, not everything gets into game action, but they do work on everything every day. You know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I see them working with the pitching machine and doing bunting practice on everyone. And they go circle, cycle through groups. You know, you have the group doing regular BP, then you have the group doing bunting practice and groups in the field and they cycle through every day. So they're there. Like I said, they're there by by noon on a game day for a seven o'clock game and they're working. So they're, they're working on a lot of stuff. And it's not just, you know, the analytics and launch angle and all this other stuff, but they're working on bunting. They're working on all these other aspects of the game as well.
0: Okay. All right well listen Robert, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, well, we, we hope that you'll join us one time soon on our regular podcast on Sundays. Um, I think the rest of the team would really enjoy your input and uh, your point of point of view. Um, Rob again, thanks for, for helping setting this up and on behalf of everybody at Yankee Chronicles. I just want to hope everybody enjoys their weekend and we will talk to you soon.